Hello everyone, Simon Jacobson here, my weekly broadcast on the topic, Build the Life You, you Want. This uh, class, this program is dedicated for a complete and speedy refuel shalema for Rivka Bat Leia. And may in the merit of our teachings here, that she, as I said, have a complete recovery and that her family should have strength to be able to deal with all the challenges. We should only hear good news. Build the life you want. Sounds quite simple, right? Who doesn't want to have a life? Who doesn't want to have a life that is uh, desirable? And yet, we find it quite elusive and quite difficult to build a life that we really like and want. First of all, what, is it, what do we really want? Do we even know what we really want? Is our wants defined by our immediate instant gratification and pleasures? Is it defined by something broader? And even if we define what we want, is what we want healthy? And is it achievable? And even if you can figure out an answer yes to those questions, then how? How do we build that life? So though it's such an obvious issue, an obvious question, we're all living our lives. We all live the, the, want to live the best possible life. And yet, when you really push to the corner, corner and ask, what does that mean? It's going to be quite difficult to answer. So let's analyze, first of all, why is it difficult? If someone said to you, what kind of business would you like to have? You'd say, whatever the business may be, you'd say, I want it to be a successful business. How do we define success? build the business you want, would be, besides, we're not talking about the actual what type of business, a business that's successful, profitable, efficient, produces perhaps products or services that really help people. What about in our personal lives? It's a little more complicated. Because in our personal lives, we're not focusing on one particular building of a business organization or an entity. We're talking about ourselves, our entire lives. And the reasons that it's so difficult to answer that question ostensibly, and we're going to learn how to answer that question, obviously, and tools and methods to implement the answer, is because once we begin asking that question, we've already lived part of our lives. Our formative years, we don't ask such questions. We're told what to do by our parents, by our educators, by our societies, social circles. By the time we're asking this question, a lot of decisions have been made for us. So if someone says, build the life you want, you'll say, one second, what I want is not necessarily what I was given. Or maybe what I was given is what I want, but maybe that not, would not have been what I really wanted if I was asked. On the other hand, we can't ask little children what do they want, because they're in the stage where they don't yet know what they want. Or so we would be held to believe. So that's why it's so difficult, because it's like not something that, number one, it's not a specific project. You could say, here's a project, define its objectives, define its parameters, define its goals, and the metrics for success. When it comes to life, talking about the whole, our entire lives. And number two, as I just said, a lot of it has been determined for us. By the time we're asking, we're already, so to speak, I don't want to say stuck, but already in routines and habits and patterns that have been really predetermined for us. 
But more importantly, above all, is our subjectivity. Even though many businesses and initiatives fail because of people's subjectivity and blind spots and egos and pride, but there, many succeed as well because your pride is invested to make it work, so you're going to do whatever it takes. But when it comes to our personal lives, we're far, far, far more subjective because it's about me. And if I right now have a temptation or something that seduces me or, or distracts me, and I pursue that, that's what I do. And a moment later, something else distracts me, that's what I do. Just look at much of your life and you'll see, are you reacting or are you proactive? In most cases, you're reacting. So what's going on is, what, so what do you really want? Do you know? If all things were left equal, a level playing field, what would you want? Not based on what others are expecting or what, what situation you're in. What would you want from the core of your essence? Ah, so the question is, what's the core of my essence? Do I even know what my essence says, sounds like? So there you go. You can have people ask them, what do you want? And they'll give you a whole list, a grocery list of things that they want. And then you say, is this really what you want? Or is this what you've been programmed to want? Or based on your social circle, or your, or your environment and your community, peers and so on, that's why you want it. So then we're compelled to ask ourselves, what do I want on my own? And what do I want because others or situations and circumstances have guided me in that place? And I'm not suggesting if it's circumstances that guided you, it's not valuable. But you see, the question gets far more complex. So I have my way of always putting it this way, that when you ask somebody who they are, they give you their business card. But that's not who you are, that's what you do. But we are so preoccupied with what we do, we become identified, uh, who we are, our identities are defined by what we do. When in truth, it should be the other way around. Well, who you are should, identify, should define what you do, not what you do should define who you are. A captain of a ship, it's not, it's not the, the sea or the ocean that defines where he's going. The captain has a game plan, has a trajectory, has a direction where, they're go, where he's going. And that defines what he does, how he rows or how he, how he maneuvers and navigates to get to that place. It would be quite insane if someone said that we begin first with what we do and then we figure out who we are. And yet that is very much part of our lives. So there we have another thing, which is that we become shaped and defined by the, our actions and our behaviors. So it becomes increasingly difficult to identify, so who is the you inside ticking? So the first step we need to establish is how do you identify and discover and uncover the who you are? So when you say the question, build a life that matters, build the life you want, that the want should actually be one that is reflective of who you are, as opposed to what you're doing. Because someone can say, you know what I want? I want to make my boss happy. I want to get a raise. I want to make sure my clients are happy. Nothing wrong with that. But is that the life you want? Or is that want coming as a, as a result of the circumstances that are defining your life? So how does one discover who they are? 
So there are many ways to do this. Today they have the concept of mindfulness. There was meditation. There was all kinds of methods of creating space of uncovering yourself. I often approach it this way. And it's a very interesting exercise. Take a few moments. Shut down your phone. Shut down your texting and other, other distractions. Sit down in a comfortable place and do the following. Close your eyes. Close your ears. Try to silence. Close your taste, touch, and smell. Your five senses. What you've done is basically shutting off the stimulants that stimulate your senses. The things you see, the things you hear, the things you taste, touch, and smell. And contemplate on the following. What are you left with? You can even imagine it, but doing it is even more effective. What are you left with? You're not seeing your surroundings, so that's not stimulating or affecting you. You're not listening to any outside sounds. You're not tasting anything entering your mouth. You're not smelling the scents. And you're not touching anything. So what are you left with? You're left with is the core you. In a sense, like if in a laboratory, when they want to really identify a particular, as pure as possible, an element, you have to isolate it from influences and the things it influences. Isolate it. So isolate yourself from the stimulations and the stimulants. And primarily, they are your senses. Now, if you want to take it a step further, is isolating your thought. Because remember, even if you don't have your senses working, your, your thoughts are racing. So that would be require like pushing away as much as possible all kinds of distracting thoughts and focusing on the moment, focusing what are you feeling within. Not feeling without touch. We're talking about an inner feeling because that you cannot shut down. What are you feeling right now when your senses are all as much as possible shut down? You're starting to feel what you are independent of outside stimulation. Most of us don't even take the time to do this. Those that do, discover interesting things. You start discovering yourself. Now, what helps additionally to this exercise is to study a little about your soul. It's fascinating to learn what is the soul made up of. Even if it's initially academic or on a cognitive level, what does the soul look like? I just often describe a soul as the closest approximation. Normally, we don't see a soul. It's not visible to the eyes, as I'm pointing out here. But the soul has properties. It has features. It has characteristics. And one of them is, it's like a flame. It's always restless. It's flickering. It's seeking transcendence. It's seeking meaning. It's seeking something beyond the here and now. So think about now. Your soul is seeking something beyond, and your senses are all about here and now. What you see is what you see now, not what you saw yesterday. Or even if you're imagining what you saw yesterday, it's the sight of yesterday. Same thing with your ears, your hearing, your taste, touch, and smell. The soul does not think in terms of what is now. It's thinking in terms of like a, more of a vision of life. So the soul is, in, is beyond the here and now. But we live in a here and now, and that's what dominates. My suggestion here is twofold. One, create a space where you can isolate yourself 
from the stimulations and the forces that affect you and you affecting them. And two, read about your soul. You can go to MeaningfulLife.com, just look up soul, dimensions of the soul, five dimensions of the soul, and you'll find material. There's other places as well. Because you've got to get to know yourself if you're going to ask. Building the life you want, to build the life you want, you have to know who's the wanting. If the wanting is the stimulation of the senses, then whatever, okay, there's a TV show I'm going to watch, I'm going out to a party, I'm going to um, do something that stimulates my other senses, go for a meal, taste, touch, smell. But then, your, then the, what your, the, the wants and the desires are defined by outer stimulation. We're looking for some inner voice and what it wants. And the key thing is to be able to free yourself from all the forces, including those that have shaped us in our formative years, as much as possible to start discovering a new dimension of yourself. You know you're going the right track when you say, you know, I didn't know that about myself. It's a very important line. I didn't know about that about myself. When did such lines come up? Often. Whether you sometimes is listening to music, even watching something that touches a chord, rings, rings, rings true in your personality. You may hear it from a person. It may be an experience. Now, I know these are outer experiences, as I just said, and the fact is I'm not suggesting we keep our senses shut down. But if you think of those experiences in the words of the great Balshemt of the mystic, that everything we see in here is a lesson for us, for you, then the stimulation is not about satisfying, oh, you know, that food smells good, or that sight is appealing, or that sound is very attractive. Then it's the opposite way around. Those outer stimulants are all about teaching you who you are. And you say, you know, I never thought of it that way. I didn't know that about myself. Sometimes you volunteer, you do a loving act. The less narcissism... The less focus on self, the more focus on others. You suddenly become to realize, hey, I didn't know that I have that within me. So that begins to open up a new personality that you may not be aware of. Get to know yourself. Yes, know thyself. Quite a uh, command, quite a uh, interesting statement. Because if you don't know, how are you going to make decisions? Would you ever make a decision in business or in medical areas or in other areas if you, if you did not have information and knowledge? We all do our due diligence, our discovery. We want to know about something before we make a decision. You do your research. The same thing with yourself. The first research, get to know yourself. And what I suggest are a few early, I would say a few first steps. That doesn't mean they can't do other things. Because there are sens- sensory experiences, for example, music, as I mentioned, or others, that can actually help Touch a part of you that's beyond those senses. But the key thing is not to be trapped by the sense. You don't want to be trapped by the stimulation. You want to just use that as a springboard, as a catalyst of identifying something deeper about yourself. And that's called introspection. So when you hear someone speak, you hear me speak right now. Or another experience you, 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 under, you, you um, encounter in your life, Ask yourself this question. What can I learn about this for myself, about myself? And I don't mean that in a self-absorbed way or self-focused way. What do I learn about my inner soul from this experience, how I reacted? I saw a homeless person in the street. 
I was very upset. It just frustrated me. It's a reaction. Or it aroused, it stimulated a comp- compassion within me. Just take, a, take scenarios and ask yourself. That is starting to focus not on the stimulation, what it's doing for you, but actually, in other words, what it's doing, to, what is, I should say, how it's feeding your immediate needs, but rather it teaches you who you are. And the more you know who you are, the more you will be informed what you do. So this is, these are steps to figure out what we really want. Now someone can say, what I really want, I want a good juicy steak right now. Another person I want to have is a go, go to a great party. Another person may be some other desire, healthy, unhealthy, whatever it may be. Whatever comes your way. Is that what you want? Yes, you'll say, well, that's what I want now. What do you really want? What is the inner you want? And to do that, you need to have a little more introspection, a little more pause, a little more restraint. I say, not everything that comes my way, I want. I have to understand that it's something that's coming from myself. So what we're trying to do here is to help you come to understand that there's a voice inside of you that you're trying to access, and that's what you really want. And yes, it will have to do with restlessness, it will have to do with growth, with transcendence, and ultimately serving others, not just yourself. Now, once a person begins to determine what they, what they really want, and I mean long-term as well, then I would say let's spell it out now in practical, practical um, goals, practical goals. Because you could say, okay, I want restlessness, fine. But here would be a few key things. You want to have a healthy relationship. You want to find a spouse, a partner. Now, why do I say that that's, more, that's, that's an internal thing, not an external thing? Because though as much as we have sexual desires and we have attractions to people and we have crushes and we have so-called relationships, but I'm talking now about an inner relationship where your companion, you have someone you can talk to about deeper issues, someone you partner with in building a better life, building a home of a certain sort, someone you can talk to about transcendent goals, of making a mark in the universe. And it's part of the human being that we are not healthy to be alone. Loneliness is not the best thing for the human condition. We all are alone in some way, even when with someone. But as much as possible to have someone else complimenting you, someone who cares about you, you care about them, what we call love. And love is an inner need. It's not just an external need. Perhaps the pleasure of sexual pleasure or immediate companionship or whatever else comes your way because you have someone on your arm, a partner, is a need on the, on the first sort that I described, an outer need. But there's also an inner need, the inner need of a soul having a partner, a soulmate, as, we, as, as put. A soulmate that travels with you, complements you, is different than you are, but you create a synergy together. So that would be a goal you can put down and say, okay, I'm looking to find out what I want on my inner level, my soul's level. One of the things is that it should infuse my relationship or relationships. Okay. The next thing, that it should create a sense of well-being, a sense of fulfillment. At the end of the day, you feel I've accomplished something today. And not just that I did my job and I made some money or I made a bonus or I made somebody happy. but You feel certain accomplishment on a bigger scale. Well, for example, when you help somebody, you volunteer, there's more than just 
immediate satisfaction. It's like feeling I've fulfilled something that I was sent here to do. So that's the second goal in the context of what you want or who you are, defining what you should be doing. A third thing is think in terms of your longer-term transcendent needs. This can be romantic, it can be spiritual, it can be uh, different hobbies, but instead of it just being a stimulant, think of it as an expression. It's an expression of yourself. You're expressing yourself through a poem, through writing a few words, through a song, through a presentation. When we all have our different outlets, and that's yet another way that you are, what you're doing is reversing, instead of the activities of your life, defining who you are, you're allowing that inner part of you to define these different parts of yourself, different activities that you're doing. And the list goes on. There's more to be said on this. My goal here is to get the ball rolling, to get you going. So the goal here again is to discovering a deeper want within you that reflects, resonates, expresses the inner self as opposed to the outer self. And the more you focus on it and the more you seek out and experiment, the more you'll discover that who you are part of you, which to define what you want. And then we're going to talk about building a life in that way. But the key thing is, to put it in maybe simplest terms, simplest, in summation terms, that instead of materialism being an end in itself, materialistic gains, materialistic possessions, money, and so on, it becomes a means toward some higher consciousness. That's what we're looking for. Because the higher consciousness is that inner sense of self. That, that is the life you want to build. Now you'll say, one second, who says I want that? I'm perfectly happy with instant gratification. I'm perfectly happy with the pleasures and joys I experience on a daily basis. Why are you making me go into travel to places I've, I, I'm not comfortable with? Well, I'm not here to force. and I'm not here to compel or even make a case. I'm just presenting the question. So in that case, when you say... Please help me, or I'd like to build the life, build the life you want. Okay, so then maybe it is a some some total of the instant instant pleasures and instant gratifications of a daily on a daily basis. I submit you're not going to be satisfied with that. That's why I'm going and taking the leap, taking the the, the assumption, even though to me it's more than an assumption, but it is. I'm stating it that that what. That, that, that will not make you satisfied. Why? Because the soul, by definition, is not going to be happy with instant gains. It can keep you busy, it can keep you distracted, it can keep you um, numbed, but it's ultimately not going to be your ultimate gain and, not gonna, and, and, and who's losing? Only you. So I suggest and submit that the soul part of you, the soul, is wanting things that the outer you is not necessarily valuing enough. And time to begin to value those deeper values, the deeper, deeper part of ourselves. Each of us at our own pace. And I reiterate again, the point here is not to convince you, to persuade you, to force you, obviously. The key is to inspire you. That you say, say you know what, that makes sense. And maybe I should be doing something about that. In the classic and sad words of the Talmud, where it says, alas, most people choose temporary life over eternal life. Something gives you for a moment, for the next few moments, some pleasure, some life, some sustenance, great. 
And perhaps people forget about the longer-term gain, especially the eternal one. Sometimes we wake up to it when things aren't going so well. So what we've covered so far is that there's two types of wants in your life. The things you want that, if I asked you right now to list what you want, I'm sure you'll come up with a whole grocery list. And there's the things you should want. Or I should rephrase, that you really do want, but you're not really so comfortable or haven't really uh, uh, traveled in that inner place. But if you shut off your senses and start learning about what's going on inside here, you'll come quickly to realize that there is a very powerful voice inside of you, a very unique voice that is the place, the things that you really should be wanting. Everyone at their own pace, as I said. Now, once you get to a place like that, where you can define and say, here's what I want, what I would want, what I've wanted till today, and here's what going forward is what I would like to want, then you're starting to begin to identify the deeper wants a person should have. And then you build your life accordingly. So let's now talk about that. But before I do, remember I asked the questions at the outset. I said, do we even know what we want? So we addressed that. I asked, and even if we do know, do we know if it's healthy and achievable? So I just want to add one more line to that. What I've described should result in a healthy and achievable goal. Because if it's not achievable or it's not healthy, then we haven't achieved anything. So let us suffice by saying right now that we've discussed how to find what you truly should want from the inner self, not what you do but who you are, Number two, that that thing should be healthy and achievable. So then comes the big question is then how? Let's say all that's fine and good. How do I do it? Well, I already began answering. If you can create space like that on day one, one day, in order just to recalibrate, refocus, and just get a sense of yourself, and I'm going to give in a moment another suggestion to do that, then you've begun a journey. And you want more of that. You don't just want to do that at the outset and never again. So the second suggestion I was going to give a little stronger is actually take off time. A week of vacation. Go to a place of nature. Go to a place where you're not going to be overly stimulated by human man-made, man-made machines and man-made activities. Go to a walk in the forest. Go up in a snowy mountain. And contemplate on things that are much more natural and holistic as opposed to all the man-made machinery and gadgets that we have in our lives. It's a more extreme form of what I said before about creating space. But now what I'm going with this is that the goal here is not just to do that in order to identify who you are and start looking for that inner sense of things that really should matter and, uh, and the things that you should really be wanting. But now you've begun a journey. Because if you do it once, you can do it again. And you want to do this in the morning and the evenings especially. Because we're not talking about disrupting life and stopping everything, the whole thing going from going. You want your life goes on, or else we'll never get anywhere if we do that. Because if you go cold turkey, it's going to come back to bite you. But here, the goal is to now, how would we recreate moments like that? And there's really no other way. There's no shortcut. There's no magic pill. It's creating moments that allow you to focus from inside out instead of outside in. Instead of outside in stimulation, inside out stimulation, meaning the inner. And this is where prayer comes into play, 
or study or contemplation or meditation on a regular basis. Create such oases, oasis, do we say oases? Such pockets through the day and even begin morning and evening, you're on your way. That's the method of building the life you want. And this you see very often. People, for example, get caught up in their work, working 90-hour weeks, have no time for their family, no time for themselves. And at some point, they grab themselves and they say, what's going on with my life? Life is what's happening to me while I'm busy making other plans. And then you pause and you say, let me slow down a bit. Let me stand on the side. And you suddenly see yourself, this rush hour addict, who's addicted to every stimulation, you see yourself, what's the matter? Why can't I just be? Be comfortable in my own skin. So many will answer, well, you know what? I haven't been comfortable in my own skin for since I'm a child. And I need to work on that. I need therapy and so on. So be it. But at least recognize that. Because that's really what you want. You want to be able to easily go back to that inner self that's beyond your stimulation of your sensory stimulation of sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell, beyond expectation and demands of others. And if you create such a space when you wake up in the morning, thank you for returning my soul to me. You've heard me talk about the Modaani meditation and prayer. Thank you for returning my soul to me. Thank you for renewing my contract, for making me indispensable, for sending my soul to this world to in some way improve the world, make it better than when I arrived. That type of thinking, even if it's a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes in the evening, is a major step, a major, not minor, even if it's moments, because it's a qualitative paradigm shift. You've now shifted the thinking in terms of what I really do want from within. And now you're looking at how to build it. And you'll be surprised at what happens if you do this consistently as a habit. You know, habit, they say, takes 18 times for it to begin to become routine. So try it out 18 times. Once you becomes part of you, you're going to see it's going to make you hungrier for more. And it's going to also give you that type of focus that when you go out and meet people, or I mentioned before, different interactions, you'll look at them all with these set of new eyes. How does that in some way express and reflect my inner soul? So what happens is, even outer stimulation, things that yesterday you may have looked at and it seduced you, you're now the opposite. You're grabbing the sparks, as the Kabbalists put, in that sight. You say, oh, that's a beautiful scene. I've seen it every day when I go to work. Now, instead of just saying it's beautiful and just being caught up with it, you say something else. You say, this beauty reflects some inner beauty. What can it do for me to beautify my life, to improve my life? So you begin to look at everything with a different set of eyes, with an additional set of eyes, I should say. So that beyond the surface level of that particular stimuli, you experience a spiritual dimension to it. You eat a piece of food. On the external level, this is a good example. I'm hungry. Take a piece of bread. I put it in my mouth. It sustains me. Very clear. That's what I want. Come the Kabbalists and the mystics and the Hasidic masters say no. Even mundane things like that have a soul to them. The food is going to become part of your flesh and blood. It's going to sustain you. So before you put this food in your mouth, don't just indulge for that momentary outer stimulation, outer um, nourishment, but look for the inner. 
recognizing that not on bread alone does man live, does a human being live, but on the spark of the divine within. Make, make a blessing which draws down and says thank you, it's gratitude. Draws down energy into the food. Helps you elevate its spark and the strength you gain is not just I'm now nourished, I'm now full sated, but you get strength that you can go do a kind deed, a mitzvah, a good word to another person with the strength of what? A simple piece of food. Right there you have two options. And there's no area in life where you don't have these two choices. You meet someone, it's going to be a kind word, there's going to be a mean word, there's going to be just ignoring them. Every interaction, every life experience can become informed by this approach. And your life does change. But the interesting thing, it doesn't change in this dramatic, you know, completely shed your skin and now you're a new person. It changes because whatever you're doing, adds, as you're adding a dimension to it. You're not eliminating it. You're still going to the stores you visit. You're still meeting those people. You're still experiencing the outer dimension, but you're seeing it as an outer shell of an inner experience. Concept of divine providence. That whatever you see, it's part of the larger plan and as a message and lesson for you. So to sum this up, building the life you want, to build the life you want, the key thing is to remember that your want should be coming from the right place. Therefore, it's healthy and achievable. And now you're building toward it because now you're looking for ways, how do I express that healthy want, that healthy desire, healthy desire for transcendence, for the other things I've spoken about. And if you really take it step by step, my friends, you'll find it's far more doable than you can imagine. But you have to begin. You have to begin and you have to stick to the regimen daily. If you start wavering with that, if it doesn't become part of your routine, there's always miracles. But I have to say, you'll not be able to really sustain this type of approach. It has to be regular routine. And that begins small. Now it could be, as someone just wrote to me, actually today I got an email from someone that says, I listen to your class every week, Wednesday night, or later when it's, uh, as it's archived. I have to tell you, this has become my mainstay. I literally depend on it. And the messages and the lessons, I take notes. So he found something to sustain. That's one way. It could be other ways, through books, through videos, through online experiences. But the key thing is that you want to nourish the inner, not the outer. The outer will come. I'm not sure. No one's going to die from hunger. We're not going to fall fatigued from sleep. But the inner will also be fed. And that's the thing that's lacking most. She'll say, who really cares? So many people living a life, you know, relationships suffer because of it. Our children suffer because of it. And in general, the social and moral fabric of a society do not really thrive. And of course, that means we don't thrive if you don't have that sense of balance, that sense of justice, that sense of of inner peace and tranquility that can only come with some deeper purpose, a life of meaning, a meaningful life. A few more points I'd like to add to this equation now. So now that we've been talking about building a life you want, you want to really come down to and say, you know what, here's a list I made yesterday. Or begin a list and say, here are the things I want. And try to revisit this in a few months and, and say, what do I want? You'll be surprised that the more you get exposed to this approach, your wants change. And again, I'm not talking about immediate needs and survival and so on. But your deeper wants change because you've seen the vista, you've seen the broader and wider horizons. 
horizons. And that allows you to actually motivate you to move forward. Now, is this all simple? On one hand, it's extremely simple. On the other hand, look at the resistance. The inertia. The inertia of the gravitational pull of material, immediate life. Fact is, we look around, we're affected by the now, the here and now. Someone gives you a pinch, you feel it. You don't say, what's the long term? And we are looking for that instant gratification, that inner consolation. So that life makes it very difficult. However, we all have openings. These openings can happen different times of the year, life cycles like birthdays, yard sites, or special days, anniversaries in our personal lives. Or it happens through the cycles of the calendar. Each time is energy, and different times open up different doors. So each of us have to determine and look around and say, what opportunities are my way? We all have opportunities. For some people, it, it may work in the month of the holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. But God is with us all the time. It could be right now, right here. You have to find something that speaks to your heart and soul and act on it. Think about it. Do something about it. Those type of commitments go a strong way because while you're working on your so-called inner mission, which you really want, and fulfilling that, the more you can align that with things that you're already involved in, that's transformation. Some people go for their daily coffee break to go to Starbucks. They sit on the couch, they read something, they may work on a computer. But imagine you turn this into a weekly ritual where you meet someone to study together, to pray together, to learn something together, Hasidic thought. You've taken the same routine and turned it into a, a much more eternal experience that will come back, obviously, many times over to benefit you. And the same thing is throughout the day, constantly being proactive and thinking in this direction. It's a way of thinking. And at some point, your thought patterns, your brain waves begin to change course. They begin to change course toward a much more harmonious and synergetic type of experience with others. Because that's what it does. Instead of it being a bunch of fragmented little pieces, you begin to see a picture emerge, a narrative, which reflects very much of who you really are, what you're capable of, and therefore what your calling should be like. Another point I would like to make is the fact is, as I said before, we're all distracted and we're busy with all kinds of things. So sometimes the, the thing is most of our salvation, most of where our salvation will come from is something we are ignoring or we don't have the time for. So that's, there's no question that's a factor we have to look at. But there's also the concept and power of a mentor that keeps you honest. Someone you can talk to, that you should talk to, you consult with, you get advice, feedback. And that helps you get beyond some of our own blocks and obstacles. I like to feel about what I'm doing here is that we're trying to make people aware. Hopefully you listen to this, you share it with others. And by doing so, what happens is you begin to also be, also becomes also part of your own journey. So by no means is it limited to what I'm saying here, but it's definitely a good way to begin. I remember actually quite amusing until I discovered it was a pattern giving the classes in the city of Manhattan there were times where I suddenly noticed and then it became more public more more uh, more common more that I saw a couple young couples sitting in the back 
Afterwards, they would come back to over and say hello, introduce themselves. And often it was a date. One of them brought the other on a date to my class. Later, I asked him once and her, you know, different people privately, why would you do that? Why don't you go out to dinner, go for a walk? What's the, says, the fastest way to, for me to find out the values of this person I'm dating is to bring them here. Because you're, you have stimulating ideas, you talk about things that matter. So I have sometimes a date that comes and they, they, uh, they say, I'm bored, uh, it's not for me. And to be honest, that means they're not interested in things of this type of nature. Then there are those that are very intrigued. So it's excellent. Your class is a perfect stop for daters. We were thinking about advertising and saying, hey, great for dating, great for finding out who your partner is. I didn't think it would fly that well. And then I started seeing more than one. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the tens. And they said, yeah, it's an excellent way because afterwards I don't have to start prying teeth. Are you philosophical? What do you think about God? What do you think about Judaism? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And discover they don't think too much about it or they don't like it. Here it's a built-in, built-in stimulator. You're saying it. You criticize and you give a positive view. And right away I hear what is the other one? They'll say, I don't know what he was talking about. I don't really care. Or this was the most important matters that I really think about all the time. So it was interesting. I mean, I never asked for commission or royalties on this uh, contribution. But it was interesting. People broke up and often stayed on because of the, this class. So I take a little credit. Um, but the main thing, I, the credit I don't take is the ideas I share are not my own. I, I've distilled them from thousands of years of scholarship through the lens and the eyes of my teacher, my Rebbe. But yet, as he would say, that itself is channeling from the previous generations and through the great mystics and Hasidic masters and great mystics and thinkers. And there's so much more to be said, but it's a very powerful thing to recognize that when you repeat something that has not been said today for the first time, that is also has transcendent power. Because we don't need to recreate the wheel. We just need to look at who was before us and how did they do it and then find a way to adapt it to our methods. And that's what we do here. This is the significance of this program and other programs in Meaningful Life Center, which is, serves as a bridge. A bridge of what? Of, who you, of, of, of discovering who you truly are. So you can determine what truly matters and what you truly want. And that in turn will term matter how you build a life that lives up to that. And it's never too late to begin, never too early to begin. Meaning that no matter what you're doing, you can begin. Now, of course, when there's a particular milestone, a person gets married, a person meets someone they really love, a person's starting on a new journey, they're traveling somewhere. Those junctures are excellent times to say, you know what, I'm going to begin implementing this. But you'll need these, these tools I mentioned. Creating the space, the introspection, finding someone to talk to about it, and then, of course, acting on it by building something accordingly. And I know, I have no doubt that everybody listening and every one of you are capable of doing that and bringing your aura, your unique voice, your unique magic into this world in a beautiful song. Because that's what it comes down, a beautiful symphony that's made up of so many different parts, but they all are synergized and symmetrical. One harmony, or many harmonies, but harmony that all leads into each other to, presu- to produce the, the, the power to actualize, I should say, the power within each of us to really make that difference. To me, it's the greatest honor when I hear, get, receive a letter or a note, as I receive almost on a daily basis, thanking me, thanking the Meaningful Life Center, 
it's, I can't tell you how much it means because all the work we put in, when you hear that feedback, you really, really appreciate it. So please keep it coming. You can do it anonymously. You don't have to tell us your name. Share. Do whatever it takes to bring light to the world. You are a beacon of light, a, a, uh, like a lighthouse. Over the dark seas, you shed light that ships can come to, to come to port because you're giving them the guiding light, focus, the headlights on a dark country road which cut through and allow you to see and pierce the darkness to see clearly. Clarity, clarity, clarity. And, and with that, let me bid everyone a beautiful week. We're here every Wednesday night is when I actually broadcast this program live, but then it's archived available. Please share, please comment, please contribute and help us continue these programs, which many of them are free and take advantage of the resources we have at MeaningfulLife.com More coming, there'll be some very surprising and exciting new products will be available shortly and uh, be in touch You know, it's an honor to speak a few words here, to speak from the heart, the soul remember, the soul is where it's at, you want to live soulfully Everyone be well, and uh, again, stay in touch.